the spiritual masters, the great sadhus, they present the philosophy according to the environment, uh, the language of the day, the circumstance of the day. But it's constantly, the days are constantly changing, are they not? Every day, every, every season, every year, year in and year out, the environment changes. The hippies are gone. Yuppies, they're gone. So these changes are there in society. You look at society today and you have a completely different environment. Guaranteed, another generation from today, it'll be unchanged again. Unless the philosophy is presented according to that, that circumstance, people may have a hard time understanding. Yada yada hi dharma bhavati bharata. Presented again and again and again according to the circumstance of, of society. That isn't to say that we can't read a book like this. The author passed on 88, but still his writing is significant. We're reading Prabhupada's books day in and day out, and the significance is there. Once we dive into the philosophy and we begin to understand it, then we can even go back and read Jiva Goswami and Sanatan Goswami and uh, Srila Rupa Goswami's books and attain some real spiritual enlightenment in those literatures. And these were written 500 years ago. Of course, for me, they have to be translated into English. Some of my contemporaries, they actually learned Sanskrit so they could translate them, which is a great service. As we were speaking about Gopi Pranadana last week, passing away, what a great loss because it was his service. He'd take these manuscripts and give them to us. Brihad Bhagavatamrita, what a great, what a great blessing to be given that literature that we can read in English now. That in and of itself for a life's work is very significant. But we found out that other books that he was working on will be coming out. Uh, he did a complete translation of Tattva Sandarbha, which is the first Sandarbha of the Sad Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami. There's six of those Sandarbhas, and he translated and commented on the first. He also had done uh, Lagu Bhagavatamrita. So we, are, we mentioned Brihad Bhagavatamrita by Sanatan Goswami. Uh, we also have... Uh, that's big uh, Bhagavatamrita. Then we have the small one, Lagu, Bhagavatamrita. And that was done by uh, Srila Rupa Goswami. So that's also been translated. And those will be published. It's not that we can't benefit from the, from the Prayaracharyas, but... Krishna consciousness is, is, a, is a living thing and we need to have direction that's significant to us in our lives now. And that's why the bona fide spiritual master is, is amongst us. He's teaching us. He's, he's with us and giving us personal direction. And he may either, the personal may be, direction may come from that person who gave you mantra, gave you the chanting of Hare Krishna and uh, also uh, giving you the, you know, the Gayatri mantra as you advance in spiritual life. Uh, or that direction that really is needed on a day-to-day -day basis may come from a Shiksa guru. Your Diksha guru may be absent, or may be tied up elsewhere. And... But guidance and good 
guidance and comfort in our spiritual life is needed throughout our spiritual practice. So we're advised to take shelter of Sikhs and Diksha Gurus. One, Diksha Guru is one, Siksha Guru can be many. Many Siksha Gurus to give us guidance and help us. And the Purva Acharyas are also, also giving us instruction. Actually, the terminology is, in my estimation, not shiksha. Shiksha, to me, is an active principle. Uh, the Purva Acharyas are, are Shastra gurus in their writings, which are Shastra. The re- their realizations from reading Shasta and they're, they're putting that, those realizations into written form for our benefit. Uh, those Purva Acharyas, Purva means prior. So those prior Acharyas are also giving us direction. So that's also beneficial to us. So Diksha Guru, that person who gives mantra, may also be Shiksha Guru or Siksha gurus, Siksha guru is many. There may be so many Siksha gurus, but also Siksha is active principle. They're directing us. Even devotees advance to such an extent that prayaracharyas may even manifest to them if they're extremely advanced. That's a pretty extraordinary thing, but it's certainly not unheard of. We are entering the realm of spirituality, so the laws of the material world will gradually dissipate, and as we advance into that spiritual realm with sincerity and and, uh, good purpose, direction, good direction will come from everywhere, from the environment, from the Lord in the heart, and uh, from all of our well-wishers, both in the prior line of disciplic succession and in our current association. So Bhagavad Gita, fifth chapter, we said we'd chant uh, verse 18. Vidyavinaya sampane brahmane gavihastini sunichaiva swapake cha pandita samadarsina the humble sage, by virtue of true knowledge, sees with equal vision a learned and gentle brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and a dog-eater. Outcast. Majjana Trimananda Shajjana Jana Salakaya Chakshun Militanyena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. Understanding the nature of this chapter and the instructions Krishna is giving can be difficult for us. On one hand, we engage in activities, but Krishna is speaking about the fact that truly the modes of material nature are acting and we aren't. Everything's really working under Krishna's direction. How to, how to 
have a, an, a grasp on what's really being said here. Uh, it's important, this, this karma yoga, action in Krishna consciousness, to see things in the proper perspective. What is our investment? What is Krishna's investment? What is, what is the, the, the control that's exerted upon us by the modes of material nature? And, and how do they all come about? Uh, in a, and how can we s- come to a true understanding of sambandha when it comes to action? Sambandha is the inner relationship of these things. So I want to read a, a couple of the verses again and, and go over a way that we can, we can perceive this in a proper light. So starting with text 12, the steadily devoted soul attains unadulterated peace because he offers the results of all activities to me, whereas a person who is not in union with the divine, who is greedy for the fruits of his labor, becomes entangled. One person is offering the fruits of his action to the supreme, and he's free. And the other person also is engaged in action, but he's eating the fruit. And he's bound. To the outsider who's looking, they're both working. They're both engaged in activities. They may be engaged in the same activity. One is free, one is bound. When the embodied living being controls his nature and mentally renounces all actions, he resides happily in the city of nine gates, the material body, neither working nor causing work to be done. He's busy, but he's not bound up in work, which here means karma. He resides happily in the body, neither working nor causing work to be done, although engaging in all kinds of activity. All right. The embodied spirit, master of the city of the body, his body, does not create activities, nor does he induce people to act, nor does he create the fruits of action. All this is enacted by the modes of material nature. Both Baladev Vidyabhushan and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, great commentators on Bhagavad Gita, they give us pause in reading this verse. They say, well, then why do the scriptures prescribe all kinds of activities? If material nature is doing everything, then why is all this direction there? Become truthful. Become humble. Become magnanimous. Give in charity. Offer sacrifices. All the scriptures are giving so many directions for activity, so how can we say the embodied spirit does not create activities? Well then, wait a minute, I don't understand. 
So they give us a pause. Well, wait. The Spirit doesn't create activities, but the Scriptures recommend all kinds of activities. Rise early in the morning, bathe, chant some mantras, read some Scriptures, work in a detached spirit. All these directions are there. And here, it's all being done by the modes of material nature. We need to understand something. Then it goes on to talk about the Supreme Lord's position. Nor does the Supreme Lord assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. Embodied beings, however, are bewildered because of the ignorance which covers their real knowledge. So, even though the Lord's directing and supplying everything in this material world, He doesn't get involved in our karma. But we don't do karma because it's the modes of material nature. How do we see this? But we are suffering. You know, we are getting all the suffering even if we don't act. If you do not follow the laws, yes. yeah. You do not follow the laws, then it appears that you're suffering. But you don't suffer because you're not the body, but you're attached. So, how do we look at this? So as long as you're attached, you see that as the end result. Yes. It's something like this. It's explained somewhat in this manner. Imagine a small child. And he's observing that the adults, they're, they're, they're lifting a heavy weight. So, he's observing this. He's observing some action in the world and he has a desire. A desire swells up in him. Let me lift that heavy weight. Well, he goes over, but he doesn't have the, the true strength to lift the heavy weight. The forces of material nature work against him. He doesn't have the capacity. But he has the desire. But the father, he has compassion. He says, oh, you want to lift this heavy weight. All right. And he goes and he helps him lift it. And the child is there like the Darth Vader child, right? He wants to wants to do something and when he goes out and he goes like this at the car, the, the father is standing inside and he pushes the button and the lights come on and whoa, look at what I did. That's the way this material nature is working. There's somebody in the background who is fulfilling our desires since time immemorial. We truly don't have the facility to control material nature. Maya Dakshina Prakriti. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, this material nature is working under my direction. Producing all these bodies for you to inhabit. Krishna's there doing it all. 
Sometimes it works. Because why? Because Krishna is fulfilling our desires. We have the desire. Krishna, you wanted to come. You want this playground. You want to enjoy independent of me. Here, I've made this perfect sandbox for you. Now you be God. Which God do you want to be? The God of beauty, the God of strength, the God of knowledge. Which God? There's, wow, there's how many? 33 million demigods. They control the trees, lakes, rivers, the, the vegetables, and the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and the the blinking of our eyes and the movements of our limbs, all of our facilities, there's a demigod there controlling everything through his position on the modes of material nature. And we're there and say, hey, look, I just built a skyscraper. Oh, really? How did that happen? How did that come about? Who gave you the intelligence to build the skyscraper? Who gave you the resources? Did you make the steel and the concrete? Who gave you the intelligence to design it? Who gave you everything you needed to fulfill your desire? And then facilitated that. Because we can see in the world what? Two men may have the same desire. <clears throat> One man, <laughs> he's a Billy Gates. Another man's living in a box in the street. They both wanted to design computers. One of them was a success and one was a failure. How does that work? That's Sambanda. Sambanda means understanding how it works. How we, through our, our desires in relationship to this external energy, trapped in what? Ahankara. What is that? False ego. False ego. I am this, I am that, I am something else, I want this, I want that, I want something else. We get become wrapped up and we think ourselves the doer of acts which are in fact carried out by material nature. But it's not that we don't have some small part. The part we have is we desire. Man proposes, God disposes. Based on what? Basically our qualification. What's our qualification based on? Our prior, prior activities. So I may come into this body and I may not have any education, but I end up running the biggest computer company in the world or I may have all kinds of degrees in education but I can't put a business together and get my ideas sold. One man had some piety in his past life. The qualification was there and he reaped the reward. Another man has the desire. 
his qualification had not been developed yet, he doesn't reap the reward. But if the desire is there, what happens? Hey, we have a little thing called samsara. What is that? Repeated birth. We go on. I didn't get it this time. Krishna tried to tell you, probably didn't need it, but we didn't listen. So what? Whatever at the time of death our mind's fixed on, what's Krishna say in Bhagavad Gita? At the next life, yeah, it's it's there for your it's there for the taking. And super soul is there. Oh, they really want this. Okay. All right, let me make arrangements where they can qualify themselves and attain that. And karma works in such mysterious ways, it's hard to understand. I mean, I saw a movie once on Amadeus Mozart. The guy was a complete debauchee. I mean, he was just, I don't know if you saw this movie, but he'd already acquired the qualification to be an expert musician. Now, from the externals, you would look and say, look at this guy. All, he's, all he does is get drunk and chase women. How can somebody that acts so immorally have such a great talent? And the premise of the movie that I saw was the envy in another musician's consciousness of his talent. How could he have such talent? <laughs> Look at him. He's drunk. He can write a better song drunk than I can write with all my concentration. He can whip it out in five minutes and I'm working on, on, on one, what do you, sonnet or whatever you call for months. He can play it behind his back with his eyes blindfolded. Oh, such envy is there. And that was the whole premise of the movie if you saw it. So, that's where we invest ourselves in this energy. Krishna sitting in the heart. Sarvasya chahamridi sani visto. So we have, yeah. It's good that we have, you know, these behind the curtains people that tell us What's happening in the world? So for the people sitting here, there must have been some desire that carried over from the previous life to be, to be here and attained. Absolutely, you can understand that philosophically. But our heart says, I didn't do anything. This is causeless mercy. And sometimes the spiritual master will say, I made all your qualification. That's what the spiritual master does. When we really get to the heart of Krishna consciousness, this is a causeless mercy that's descending from the transcendental realm. Under the direction the personal direction of Krishna's topmost lover. 
causeless mercy. But we also see in the world, we only have a small group here and there's a whole city full of people. I'm not speaking in an auditorium here. I'm talking in my living room. So there is also some qualification, some adhikaris. Krishna talks about that in Bhagavad Gita, doesn't he? Out of many, many millions of men, some actually want to advance spiritually. And out of those, hardly anybody really knows me in truth. A lot of people aspire to advance spiritually or to advance in the world, but hardly anyone comes to this level of transcendental realization. A very rare thing. Yes, there's some qualification, but I'm completely unqualified. Maybe I did something. And why, what do they say? Maybe I did something. That's the key, isn't it? Maybe I did. Ajnata Sukriti. I didn't know what it, I don't know what it was, but based on what I learned from the sadhus and from the scripture, there's this thing called Ajnata Sukriti. And based on some activity in, unbeknownst to me, I'm getting some extraordinary mercy. And the mercy can come from those transcendentalists irrespective of any qualification. Lord Chaitanya, one of Lord Chaitanya's associates took interest in a dog. Who was that? Shivananda. Shivananda was going to see Lord Chaitanya. And Shivananda... His heart was so situated that what he desired is let me take care of all the devotees. So when they went from their village to go see Lord Chaitanya in Jagannath Puri, Shivananda arranged everything. He paid for everybody's way. He fed them. He paid whenever there was a fare to get across the river. He paid the fare. He made sure everybody was cared for and comfortable. And his heart was so large that along the way, they came across a dog, a stray. And he said, well, what do I see? I don't see a distinction. How does a sadhu see? What did we chant tonight? Sama Darshana. Sees with equal vision. The Brahmana, who he was serving, because they were Vaishnavs, they were all better than Brahmanas. But he also sees, because he has that special vision, he sees... What? The cow? The elephant? The dog? Look at those bodies in the modes of material nature. The cow in the mode of goodness. The elephant in the mode of passion. The dog. Hmm. Sleeping 12 hours, no, 12 hours at night and then 12 hours during the day. Uh, in the mode of ignorance. The cow, the elephant, the dog, the Brahman, and the other end of the scale. 
The Brahmana at the topmost, the most qualification in life, the most qualified to advance spiritually, you would think, and the dog eater. Not even a vegetarian. Wow. That's kind of kind of down there from a categorical viewpoint. <laughs> but the de devotee doesn't see like that. Why? He sees equally. He sees Krishna's in, in everyone's heart. And what's Krishna doing from his vantage point in the heart? Fulfilling everyone's desire. The dog eater needs a fresh kill and there's the dog. Is there any hope for these people? Is there any hope for us? Uh, no, for the lower levels, like the dog eater. Well, let me complete my story and you'll see. So, along the way, Shivananda is taking care of all the devotees and a stray dog comes into their association. And having the vision, that equal vision that's spoken about in the verse we chanted tonight, he takes the dog under his wing too and starts to feed the dog and take care of the dog. In fact, he made sure the dog was fed every day. He had his servant instructed. He said, every, you make sure this dog's fed. Somehow his servant became a little neglectful and when Shivananda was called away during a day and came back at the end of the day, the stray was not there. What? You didn't feed the dog? Where's he gone? And he was in distress. Where is this dog gone? That's the heart of a devotee. I'm now he's feeling heart and broken. Why? Because he was take, he'd taken charge of that dog. That dog's my responsibility now. He's depending on me to get fed, and somehow or other, he wasn't fed, and it's my fault. And that was his heart. That was what he felt. So they proceeded on, and they went to the place where Lord Chaitanya was, and there at Lord Chaitanya's feet was the dog. And Lord Chaitanya, he made that dog chant and dance. <laughs> and then he liberated that dog. That dog had no qualification except what? His qualification was he was taken under the wing of Krishna's devotee. Krishna's devotee took an interest in him. And his life became successful and Krishna manifested as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Let ev let everyone know the value of Krishna's devotee. How valuable! So qualified or unqualified, our position is we are fully dependent on the mercy of Krishna's devotee. So this point. Understanding the subtleties of the sambanda of karma as put forth in this chapter. The fact that we do have a say in that we do engage in activities, but we're under the control of the modes of material nature. We truly can't do anything. 
But Krishna, situated in our heart, fulfills our desire. But in fulfilling our desire, He's not affected. He is not affected by that. He's like the lotus. The lotus flower is there riding on the water but not affected by the muddy pond. The water is just... So Krishna, this material nature, is working under His direction. He can fulfill our desires with His various potencies, but He fulfills our desires in such a way that He's not affected. Yes. So there, you know, there are five kinds of um, different kinds of attachments. You know, attachment to the body, attachment to family, love, you know, loved ones, you know, attachment to material possessions, and so on. So you know, Shivananda with his dog. You know, where's the point where the distinction between you know he loved the dog. You know, he was in grief because the dog wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and the you know, um, story of... Um, Judd Bharat. Hmm? Judd Bharat in the Bhagavatam who became attached to a deer. Is that how you're... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so you love the dog, but you're also detached. you simultaneously detached. So yes. that's the difference? That's the difference. Everything is a matter of intent. So when he goes around, he's saying, you know, where's the dog? And he's, and he's feeling this pain in his heart. What's the difference between, you know, I mean... But what's his... His, his compassion is, is that of wanting to help the dog spiritually. That's where his compassion lies. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between his compassion and the compassion shown by Judd Bharat when he became so enamored with caring for the deer that he forgot... The bodily relationship took over the intelligence. Just like our bodily relationships take over our spiritual intelligence and we fall down. From time to time we fall down, we become two. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a fine, that's, it's that's a very happen, fine line. It can happen at any time because why? We're infinitesimal. We're the same quality as Krishna. The quality is the same. We're spirit soul. The difference is we're infinitesimal. And unless we're constantly in good, unless we're constantly taking shelter of Krishna's spiritual potency, his material potency can overcome us. It's a fine line. What's it called? It's called rut. Engaging in this spiritual life is sometimes compared to a razor's edge. The razor is there, and if I know what I'm doing and I keep my attention, I can shave off the root whiskers. If I don't pay attention and I'm looking elsewhere, I can slit my throat. It's the same razor. The razor's doing good. It's removing the whiskers, but... Let me lose my attention. Let me start thinking of the deer's, the deer's comfort, bodily comfort. Shivananda is thinking about the dog's spiritual comfort. He's taking prasadam. He's coming with us, and we're going to see Lord Chaitanya. And this dog, 
will have a glimpse of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Jud Bharat also, he was in Bath, very advanced spiritually. I mean, re- that's okay. Anartha Nivriti, Nista, Ruchi, Asakti, Bhava. Bhava's just before Prema. That's when all out love. In, when you're at Prema, that's it. There's no more material attachments. You've, but at Bhava, even at Bhava, Bhava means all of your pleasures are coming from the spiritual plane. What's that verse in the second chapter, 259? You remember that? Visaya vinivartante niharashyadehinam. As long as our enjoyments are on the material plane, then that's gonna, that's gonna control us. But once we start to have pleasure on the spiritual plane, then those things fall away naturally. That's why in spiritual life in the beginning it seems to be a struggle for us, doesn't it? Because we have, <laughs> we have our, we have our desires in both places. Oh, it sounds nice to be with Krishna. It sounds nice to be in ecstasy. I hear about the devotees shedding tears, their hair standing on end when they chant. They're in full concentration. They actually enter into their heart and see Krishna's pastimes. I want that. But boy, I'd like that donut over there too. I mean, you know, it's like we're caught in the middle. Yes, ma'am. I'll tell you something that I told to a uh, someone that's kind of close to you, uh, Shamasaki. She had a dear friend, and she was away. We were away, actually, with her in Florida, and her friend passed away. And she said, "I wasn't able to give." this friend of mine any spiritual comfort before she died. 
this was an older older lady, and, and uh, I think this happened a couple three years ago. And she said, "So I've I've let them down. I shouldn't have come on this trip. I should have been there in the by the hospital bed as she left her body." And I said, "No." The fact of the matter is you have done the greatest good for her because you had spiritual intent for her well-being. Don't think that that spiritual intent will not be acknowledged, acknowledged and satisfied. So if you desire to be at her side chanting Hare Krishna into her ear, don't think that that intent was, not, was neglected because it was spiritual in nature. The desire was spiritual. So yes, it may seem that all the, all the, all of our past karma and all, everything in the environment is working against our ability to fulfill the desire of our spiritual master and the desire of the Vaishnavas and even working against our own desire to advance nicely in this Krishna consciousness. But if our heart is in the right place, if our intent is fixed, and if we can remain spiritually attached and materially detached as Krishna is outlining in this chapter, and we have to read these verses again and again. See what exactly Krishna is saying here. If we can work in spiritual life like that, there's no question of not getting the result. And as you brought up, what was it, two weeks ago or last week? We can sometimes, you can do it in your, in our, we can think of these things. It's not really imagination when it's in relationship to serving Krishna and the spiritual master and the devotees and the deity. It's not, not really on the material plane. Even that, the example was given. Krishna Nam gave the example of the devotee who simply, by the fact that he wanted Lord Chaitanya's to have a pleasurable pilgrimage to Vrindavan. So therefore, in his mind, he put out the most beautiful gem-inlaid road with beautiful parks along the side of it and fruit trees and nice breezes and chirping birds and everything was just perfect. And he's thinking like that. In his mind, he's doing this service and it's being accepted. Nothing in our spiritual desire is ever thwarted by this material energy. Although Krishna may make it seem like that in order to purify us. It may seem like, wow, there's money's run out. Wow, I can't do so many things. If your heart is in the right place, though, just as the Karmi's heart, the guy that wanted to be the great composer, and he worked so many lifetimes toward it, of course, he also wanted to 
have intoxication and enjoy women, all those things fructified in one life. And he got them all. A debauched composer who could write some of the nicest music that we've heard on this planet. Go figure. How does Krishna work all that out? No, that's Krishna. I have a question about um, what Bhakti was saying about, you know, the, the karma is um, sort of softened. But, you know, we were talking about karma last week, and we've been talking about, you know, the spiritual master for several weeks. And, you know, at initiation, the spiritual master takes away our, our karma. So, mm. why can it get pretty rough? Hmm? Why, why does it still get pretty rough? You're seeing it as pretty rough. Krishna's seeing that he's really made it easy. It's pretty rough. Why? Because we're attached. We want it to go the way we wanted it to go. Krishna consciousness means we work to the best of our ability. We follow the direction of spiritual authority. We take shelter of Krishna's devotees. And we depend whatever the result is that's fine. I did the best I could. If we have that mentality, there's no rough spots. The rough spot is what? When I think, well, I want to give Krishna a big palace and all he wanted was a small shack. Why didn't, why wasn't I allowed to give him the palace? Because he wanted a shack. Sometimes he wants a shack. What he wants is us to love him unconditionally. He doesn't live in a palace in Braj. He lives in the trees, in the kunj, with his friends, his little girlfriends. He doesn't need a palace for that. Anyway, I don't want to go there. You see what I'm saying? He wants the love. Yes, sir. Sometimes he may give us a blessing. Sometimes he may, it may appear that what he's giving is, 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 is not a blessing. But the fact of the matter is we understand that once we take a sincere interest in progressing and attaining Krishna's shelter, that everything is a blessing. And it's hard. It's, it may be hard. I mean, I have, I have one god sister of mine. She's working in Krishna's kitchen and the stove blows up and she has her whole face is scarred this happened to her 20 years ago and you'd say my god what did krishna do that for well she was not the body hello somehow or other whatever happened happened she's still a great devotee Krishna's there, right, and Krishna's there, and he's 
He's observing and he knows what's best. If we can come to that level of consciousness that Krishna knows best, just like they had a show way back when, Father knows best. If we could actually come to that mentality, Krishna does know best and when he, when he smashes me, I must need it and when he doesn't, okay? The important thing is if we want to keep these things in perspective, you always have to be under good guidance. That way you're sure that what you're doing for your spiritual life is always proper. So if you're always under good guidance, then it's only when we leave the shelter of good guidance that we can get back into the realm of, of activities that are completely falling under the jurisdiction of the modes of material nature. Under good guidance, no matter what we're doing, it's under the umbrella of the spiritual energy. Bhakti Devi is personally looking out for us. Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna. Thank you.